big part on Off The Ball. It wasn't a foul, absolutely not. But no, I'm glad to see the goalkeeper is getting the benefit of the doubt. It's <laughs> always get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Ball Daily. And you're welcome to Off The Ball on News Talk. John Duggan sitting in for Joe Malloy today. So we're on air until 7 with two live and exclusive Premier League commentaries. West Ham versus Southampton from two. Richie McCormack and Brian Carroll provide the call on that one. Then Stephen Doyle and Kenny Cunningham describing the match between Newcastle and Manchester United from half four. We'll also have reports from Endavardi at Croke Park where Derry and Dublin meet in the Adelance National Football League Division 2 final. That'll be followed by the Division 1 decider involving Mayo and Galway. We'll keep you right up to speed as well on the Champions Cup, the Women's Six Nations and today's horse racing action. Right now, though, it's the news round. Anne-Marie Donnellan and Aidan Delaney joining me for the Sunday afternoon. How are you doing, folks? Hi, John. Good, thank you. Where do we start? Yeah, we'll start with the Premier League as there are two games today and they'll have consequences at the top and bottom of the table. First up, there's a six-pointer at the London Stadium. That's as West Ham host Southampton. The visitors go into the game bottom with David Moyes' side just a single point and place above them. A win for West Ham, though, would lift them out of the relegation zone. The battle to avoid the drop, as we know, is more intense this year than previously with all clubs up to 12 in danger. Moyes says it shows just how closely matched most sides are. You know, I'm, I'm looking to see that there's about nine or ten teams who could, could be involved in the in the bottom end of the table. We're one of them, unfortunately. We hoped that we wouldn't be, but we are. And, uh, you know, we have to find a way of making sure that we're, we're safe come the end of the season. A lot of home games in the next month coming up. Uh, we've got nine games in April, so it's going to take, take a lot from the players and uh, no, anything the supporters can give uh, will certainly add to hopefully their performance and, and the effort the players put in. Yeah. I think the players are, are ready. I think we're in a, a good frame of mind and I think we're ready to go and hopefully go on and try and pick up the points that we need to make sure that we're, we're not near the bottom end of the league. And that game kicks off at two, then at half four, it's fifth against third as Newcastle entertain Manchester United. A win for Eddie Howe's side would see them go back into that last Champions League qualification spot. Bohemians flying high still. Yes, they are. They remain top of the SSE Eritrea City League Premier Division table this morning, this afternoon. An 83rd minute Christian Novak goal saw them beat Sligo Rovers 1-0 at the showgrounds last night. And that's six wins out of seven games, four bows under Declan Devine so far this season. Elsewhere then in the Scottish Premiership, Celtic lead Ross County 1-0 at half time. That is thanks to a Jota goal or a Jota penalty in the 45th minute. A win here for Ange Postacoglu's side would see them go nine points clear at the top of the table. The second half due to get underway there shortly. In the WSL, meanwhile, Manchester City lead Arsenal one goal to nil. That's after 38 minutes of play in their game in London. Should City win this, they'll go level on points with leaders Manchester United at the top of the table. Arsenal currently sit fourth. Katie McCabe has recovered from that injury during the week to start this game. Elsewhere then in the league, it is Everton who are hosting Tottenham. That's just gotten underway.
Okay, so we got big matches at Croke Park this afternoon in Gaelic Games. Yeah, a double header at Croke Park, but Dublin are not the main event. Desi Farrell's side faced Derry in the curtain raiser. That's the Alliance National Football League Division 2 final. That throws in shortly enough at a quarter to two. Then at four, it's the big one as neighbours Mayo and Galway meet in the Division 1 decider. These two sides drew when they met in the opening round in Castle Bar in January. Mayo won this division in 2019 while it's over 40 years since Galway have Galway forward Robert Finnerty spoke to Oisín Langan during the week about the desire among the group to win this title and also their development under Pork Joyce I think it would be massive for the group really like like we were obviously disappointed last year to lose the Division 2 final and then after that losing the All-Ireland but um, as you know yourself there's not too many Division 1 league finals in our dressing room there's not any actually and it's been 42 years since we last won, won a National League. So I think it would be massive for the group to get over the line. Massive for the team, massive for the management, massive for the supporters as well. So, yeah, it's really important. How much do you learn from Pork in your individual position? Because when I see you taking the ball and swiveling and letting off shots, I'm thinking to myself, he reminds me of his manager. Like, do you work directly with Pork on that kind of stuff? Or what way does it work? Um, yeah, look, like it's great to have Pork to bounce off with, with small things. And he would always be... Like he'd take a lot of the forward sessions as well. So he'd be working with us individually and he's great kind of to bounce off for advice and small things like that. So yeah, it's very good to have. And when I look at your forward line now, I see lots of shooters yourself, Damien, Shane, to name just three. Is that good to have that kind of spread? Because sometimes in teams, a lot of pressure comes on one guy, whereas with you and Galway, you know, they're, it's not just on one person. Like there's a lot of teams you'd look at and you say, well, X, Y, and Z has to play well or else they're, they probably don't have a chance. That isn't really the case with Galway. Oh, yeah, of course. Like That's massively important. Like It's not only our forwards who can score, our inside forwards, but our half forwards. We have midfielders who can chip in, and we have defenders who can score as well. So that is hugely important because if someone's having an off day, you're not just depending on one guy. Other lads are going to chip in. So, yeah, that's massive. I can't get my head around to the fact that the championship begins next week and we've got league finals today. It's just very overwhelming in terms of your attention span with Leinster Ulster playing last night with Manchester City Liverpool yesterday with Arsenal winning against Leeds with two matches on off the ball here in the Premier League this afternoon with the Masters next week where, do you, where are we going to supposed to find the time? <laughs> I don't know it's uh, it's certainly it's great to have it though at the same time it's great to have some <laughs> all these distractions with everything that's going on in the world it's, it's great to be able to just sit down and, and kind of turn your brain off and just watch a great game of football which I'm sure it will be with especially Galway Mayo I mean a lot of people will say that this will be kind of the phony war and these sides could come up against each other in a couple of weeks in the Connacht Championship as well but I think for Galway I mean Marie will obviously know a bit more about this than I will but I think you know that 40 years it kind it does weigh heavy on a team like that and you heard Robert you know it's obviously something they've been speaking about as well in the dressing room that you know it would be nice to get a bit of silverware and you know to get to the All-Ireland final you need to get that bit of silverware to kind of build on that as well and kind of prove to yourselves that you can get over the line as well so I think that it it will be probably a bigger game for Galway than Mayo today but you know always playing against your rivals in in Crow Park is always going to kind of drive the hackles up a little bit so I I hope that it's a good game today and I think Dublin Derry kind of speaks for itself these are two informed teams and I'd love to see uh, some silverware going back north of the border but that's just me 
Yeah, I think Galway want to win this. There's a sense of excitement and anticipation. For many travelling? About this. Um, yeah, there'd be like, obviously we know the Galway footballers wouldn't be nearly as followed as Mayo. They will bring a huge um, contingent wherever they go. But there would be um, some of a crowd coming. But there's a sense of expectation now amongst this group, I think. They seem to have upped a level from last year. And I think that's kind of coming across in their interviews. You know, they're speaking with a lot of confidence. They mm. want to come up to Dublin and win this game. They want to win this title. They want to win everything. And they believe that they have the right to be there and in that top bracket. And it's interesting, Finnerty, they're talking about what they pick up from poor Rick Joyce. Yeah. Um, little things in training, you know, and they'll also pick up his confidence and his kind of, because he comes from that traditional mindset of, you know, um, he's done it all in the game. So they'll learn a lot from him. They'll take away from him in that regard as well. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, they've spoken about the fact that it's been 40 years. It's interestingly the only title that Pork Joyce didn't win with Galway. So there's a little bit of extra spice there. one minor under 21. Yeah, so this is the only title he didn't win. So um, Oshim was alluding to it that he'll have completed football if he wins. Right. <laughs> so, but like, but know, um, yeah, no, it's uh, but like obviously the game then as well will kind of take on a life of its own because it's Mayo and Galway Mayo always does bring something and they hate to lose to each other. And in January neither side really deserved to win that night in Castlebar. A draw was fair. So it'll be interesting to see now who's developed more in this league campaign. Mayo looked noticeably sharper and fitter, clearly had more training under their belts that night than Galway. So I'll be really interested to see how Galway have developed over the last two months. There's hurling in action as well today. Yeah, there is. The Division 2A league title will be decided at O'Moore Park in Port Leash. Meanwhile, and Kildare and Offaly meet in that one from two o'clock. Then at the same time, Meath face Donegal at Pork Sean McDermott. That's in the Division 2B final. Antrim then host Wexford at two o'clock in their rescheduled, very Camogie League Division 1B fixture. And the winner of that is set to take on Waterford in their final. There's rugby this afternoon as well. There is the final game of this round of the TikTok Women's Six Nations takes place. Holders England host Italy from three o'clock. Yesterday, Ireland suffered another heavy defeat to France, this time losing 53 points to three at Musgrave Park. It followed their 26-point loss to Wales last weekend. Here's captain Nicola Friday after yesterday's game. It's a tough day. It's never a nice scoreline like that, but... We'll, we'll take our learnings from it and we'll regroup, regroup and we have a we have a big away trip to Italy and we want to make a point there. I think against the French team you have to be mentally in the game for the full 80 minutes. If you switch off, they, that's where they, they execute in those little moments and I think that's maybe where they caught us in little moments and lapses of, of ment, mental, like mentality, I suppose. And But you can't deny the, the fight from the girls there and that's, that's what we asked in the change room. We said regardless of the scoreline that we show the pride in the jersey and we show the fight and the want that we have as a group and for me that was definitely there today from the girls and the scoreline doesn't reflect I suppose the heart and the want that was there. So we got uh, extra Montpellier as well in the Hanukkah Champions Cup today at Sandy Park. Extra 14 points to 12 in front coming up to half time. Toulouse against the Vodacom Bulls at 3 o'clock and then Saracens and Ospreys at the same time. Leinster beat Ulster last night 30 points to 15 so it was a good Friday game against Leicester 
we're looking mm. forward to. Yeah, I think the, the actual timings and stuff will be confirmed later on today, but uh, great to see at least one of the Irish sides getting through. Obviously, we had the Munster commentary yesterday, and Munster would have been pretty happy going in at half-time. Three were just points three, down, yeah. Three points down, you know, away in South Africa, but uh, it was Kuan who was doing the commentary, and he pointed out that a lot of teams go down to South Africa, kind of have a good start to the game, and then, you know, the travel, the, the you know, there was a, a brilliant sort of atmosphere at the game that we were looking at pools on the side of the pitch. Swimming and pool, kid, yeah. yeah, kids jumping up and down, and all that kind of spurred the Sharks on and the Sharks really had this kind of purple patch in kind of 15 minutes and Munster had a, a nice finish to the game but just never really reached the level of you know multiple World Cup winners in that Sharks side so Munster I think can be pretty you know disappointed with their performance in that second half but when you see the likes of Jack Crowley I thought he had a decent game from what I managed to see of it yesterday and um, you know Orgy Snyman coming back in so I think there is something for Munster to build on for the rest of the year they need to make sure that they get into the Champions Cup for next season and listen Ulster will know that they're probably you know I think the 15 point spread was kind of predicted early on in the week between themselves and Leinster and that's what it proved to be in the end and I mean Leinster would be pretty happy to take on a Leicester side you know at home uh, Good Friday you know hopefully a lot more fans in there won't be the 52,000 I think it'll be in the RDS so. It's reduced capacity Is it? Yeah Okay Right Yeah so it'll be very interesting to see if Leinster can kind of pick up anything from yesterday. It, it, it was not an easy victory, but a kind of uh, a straightforward one for them and be interesting to see if they can take that into the rest of their terrible season conditions, Terrible conditions, terrible yeah. conditions. Uh, golf news? Padraig Harrington is well in the mix ahead of the final round of the Valero Texas Open that takes place this evening. The 51-year-old shot a four-under par round of 68 last night and that leaves him seven-under for the tournament in a tie for sixth. American Patrick Rogers leads by one. That's on 12-under. On the LPGA Tour, meanwhile, Leona Maguire is 17 shots off the lead ahead of the final round of the LA Open. She'll tee off from three over par tonight that's in a tie for 65th you're one of the earlier risers this morning and you went and watched the Grand Prix you would have had a lot of entertainment Red Bull's Max Verstappen won the Australian Grand Prix this morning it was a chaotic one Lewis Hamilton secured his first podium of the season he finished second in his Mercedes with Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso third the race in Melbourne was flagged three times after several accidents and ended in a procession over the line because because of a penultimate lap crash. Verstappen now has a 15-point lead over teammate Sergio Perez in the World Championship standings. Meanwhile, there's snooker on today. Sean Murphy faces fellow Englishman Kyron Wilson in the Tour Championship final this afternoon. That's just getting underway. Boxing news. Anthony Joshua returned to winning ways with a unanimous points victory over American Jermaine Franklin at the O2 Arena last night. It was Joshua's first bout since he lost his world heavyweight titles in back-to-back defeats to Alexander Usyk. Joshua called out Tyson Fury after the fight, saying it's the fight that the boxing world needs. Uh, I I actually watched this fight last night and Did I can you? tell you that Tyson Fury will have no problem with Anthony Joshua. I thought he was he was very tentative, very tense in kind of the early exchanges. Franklin generally is kind of on the edge of the world level kind of contenders wouldn't really be challenging for titles or anything like that and, and Joshua made him look an awful lot better than he was I mean Joshua was clearly winning rounds but you know ne- never really had that killer instinct this was a man who won 20 of his first uh, 22 fights with stoppages and you know never really looked like he was he was going to put this man away and um, 
I mean, Anthony Joshua is one of the, the great stories of British boxing for the last couple of years. He's somebody that, you know, Eddie Hearn and, and the whole British boxing establishment has kind of put their, their hat on, really, because Tyson Fury, you can't really trust what he's going to do. And Tyson Fury, or sorry, uh, Joshua has been this kind of golden boy for them, but he didn't look comfortable. Even when, you know, the win was announced, it was it was always going to be a Joshua win, but, you know, there was no smile, there was no kind of he confidence. He was criticised as well, again, wasn't he, for his kind of after-the-fight antics. He's yeah. lost that golden boy image, mm. I think, kind of through his frustrations because of um, kind of his standards are dropping. Yeah, criticised again for... Yeah, there was a, a little kind of a playful slap just as the final uh, bell went and, you know, the Franklin Camp didn't enjoy that all too much um, but in his, his comments afterwards you know he had to call out Tyson Fury because that's what Eddie Hearn would have told him to say but I think even in kind of Joshua's deepest darkest mind I don't think he's at he knows that he's at that level and maybe a couple more fights you know I'd like to see him take on somebody like Deontay Wilder I think that'd be a very interesting battle because Wilder is somebody who knows how to finish and uh, you know Joshua will know that he can't just stand there and take it for 12 rounds so there's definitely a long way to go before we get that Tyson Fury-Anthony uh, Joshua fight. You had a long day yesterday, Aidan, and sport never sleeps. You're uh, down there in Wexford watching boxing late at exactly. night and you're back up here this morning. Uh, listen, that's the job <laughs> and you have to do it. So. That's the also the, the, the vocational aspect of it. Racing today, Amory. Yeah, racing at Downpatrick and Leopardstown. The first of seven at Downpatrick is off at 20 to 2, while the first at Leopardstown goes to post 20 minutes later. The Bally Lynch stood 2,001 thousand guineas trial stakes taking place there. Thanks for now, Anne Marie Donnellan, Aidan Delaney.